Support for Milledgeville Matters comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Milledgeville Matters and WRGC 88.3 FM. I am your host, Daniel McDonald. Just outside of Milledgeville, there exists a 20-acre farm known for its sustainable agriculture and humanely raised hogs. But Comfort Farms has another specialty, helping combat veterans connect with the sense of service and mission that bound them to the United States Armed Forces. My guest tonight, Carlisle Kellum, is an Atlanta-based writer, director, and photographer. He first went to Comfort Farms to photograph Comfort Farms and its founder, John Jackson, for a magazine article. In 2020, he completed a feature-length documentary about the farm and its founder, John Jackson. Comfort Farms, a documentary, recently achieved widespread distribution and is currently available to be streamed online. I recorded this conversation with Carlisle Kellum in October 2020. Carlisle Kellum, director of Comfort Farms, a documentary. I want to thank you for joining me today on Milledgeville Matters. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, to start off our conversation, I don't want to assume that our radio audience is familiar with Comfort Farms, so I'll ask you, can you introduce us to the story you're presenting in Comfort Farm, a documentary? Sure. Well, let me do that two ways. First, I will talk a little bit about what Comfort Farms is, and then I'll talk a little bit more about the story about Comfort Farms, but about more than Comfort Farms. Sometimes people think that just explaining what Comfort Farms is kind of explains the story of the movie, but... It doesn't quite because I take a kind of creative approach to uh, the story. Anyway, Comfort Farms is a farm started by John Jackson, who is a former Army Ranger. He served six tours overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan. He came back with a traumatic brain injury and some other things. He kind of lost it and you know, like many of his ranger buddies and other military folks out there attempted to take his own life. And his son walked in the room while he was holding a gun in his hand, and he had a change of heart. Uh, needless to say, they went out to eat, and he thought to himself, you know, I got to really do something about this. You know, this, this is my son. You know, it really, really hit him what he would have to experience if he'd have gone through with that process. Over time, he started to volunteer and help out doing other things, and he realized, you know, there are a lot of veterans dying from suicide, and there's got to be a better way, or at least an alternative way, to help them get treatment. So he started Comfort Farms, which is a farm. He calls it agro-behavioral cognitive therapy, or ACBT. It's using farming raising livestock and they do a lot of hog they do some vegetable farming and so forth and they use this to try to recondition veterans back to the to their new normal so what he found was that a lot of veterans they come back and a lot of are traumatized from things that they've seen and ptsd is definitely a real thing but he also realized a lot of veterans come back and they are simply lacking in purpose. You know, they come from this black and white world where they're given orders, they know exactly what they need to do. You know, they have a lot of ups and downs. Their adrenaline is running really hard half the time. Sometimes it's not. And this is, you know, particularly for combat veterans. They come back and a lot of them are like, you know, I can't 
live in this world. This is just a gray world of mush. They can't find a purpose. They can't find a purpose that adds up to the purpose they felt there and the camaraderie they felt with their buddies. Um, and so they come back and a lot of them go into depressive episodes. They isolate themselves. A lot of them turn to the VA and they're given medications. And as some people say in the film, it's not that the VA is out to kill anybody, but sometimes it, it hasn't worked all that well. And a lot of times they diagnose people with PTSD when that's not really what's wrong with them. Not that PTSD isn't real because people do have it, but it's kind of like a, 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 a um, I don't know if you'd say catch all, if that's the right, the right phrase. Where you know they diagnose all a lot of people with PTSD that that aren't necessarily you know that's not actually what's going on with them. So when he he brings these people to the farm and gives them a new mission, which is to do the farming. They practice humane animal slaughter, which is something else I'll get into. They uh, grow vegetables and they get down in the dirt and take on the difficulties of farming, and they do this to help support the local community and to try and create a sustainable system. And the COVID pandemic thing really brought all of that out. You know, as a lot of people were having trouble getting food, they were supplying food to the local community, fresh food, good food. Now, like I said, there's kind of several things they do there. And one of them is the humane animal slaughter aspect. And they take that very seriously. As one guy says, they treat their animals like pets. And they raise them in very humane ways with total respect. And when it comes time to harvest the animals, they really try to make sure that the animal is treated properly and not fearful in any way. You know, you introduced this idea of the agrocognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about the effect that you saw it have on people uh, during the time you were producing this film. So, yeah, it, it, it really had a great effect on the people that I interviewed. I interviewed at least two people that had attempted suicide and then a couple of others one who uh, was experiencing extreme depression um, for years, spent a lot of time at the VA, and a couple of others kind of off the record. But they all were just transformed by it. It helped them in ways that just medication and the VA itself did not help them. And that's because they had a chance to be back around some of the people they were around before, in the sense of being back around military buddies that, you know, they kind of speak the same language. It gave them a purpose. It gave them something to do that was purposeful, that had a mission attached to it. And as a guy says in the film, a lot of these guys, you know, especially these combat veterans, rangers, and, uh, special forces, and even not, you know, they join up for a particular reason. They're all, all, all volunteer force. And, a lot of those people aren't cut out to come back and, and work in a cubicle. So giving them the opportunity to get, get down and work with their hands and do stuff that fits their personality more and kind of fits their condition more and gives them some kind of sense of purpose really helped them out. And why do you think that farming was such a, a good vehicle for them to find that purpose that they were lacking uh, when they came back from these tours of duty? 
for one thing, the farming itself, there are a lot of things that go along with farming that are not necessarily easy, especially the kind of farm that, that John's running. He's running a small farm, and they are doing everything through donations, so they're having to get down themselves and do all the work, and you know, you have all types of issues that come up all the time that need a quick response, whether it be you know, water issues or general issues related to farming. And, you know, they have to work hard, get dirty doing what they're doing, and they have to quickly react to um, whatever situation is at hand, whatever Mother Nature throws at them. So it really gives them kind of a, a, a mission with some sense of excitement and, you know, hard work. And, and it kind of keeps them out of the gray world of sitting behind a desk, which is not a bad world, but some people especially those that have been conditioned to be kind of a hands-on warrior, sometimes have a, a harder time doing that kind of work. So I think that I think that's how farming kind of does it. Well, and I, I read in another interview with John Jackson that there are many parallels between farming and combat. Uh, did he uh, share any of that, or did any of the other uh, people that you talked to during the course of this documentary uh, share uh, those thoughts about uh, how these two worlds converge for them? Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, you know, there are parallels between farming and combat, I believe. And that's one of the angles I took when making the film. When I set out to make the film, I went through kind of a process when I was introduced to John. I hadn't thought of making a film about it because, you know, I thought there were enough films out there about PTSD and so forth. But when I found those kinds of angles, like, for instance, the parallel between farming and war and, and, and these kind of things, it became more compelling to me. Um, and yes, I think there, there definitely are. And like I mentioned before, of course, you know, being in a combat situation and out on a farm are, are definitely different in their own way in, in, in plenty of ways. But, you know, there are some similarities in the sense of, you know, a farm, you know, uh, you're dealing with Mother Nature, you're in a constant fight kind of with Mother Nature in the sense that when's it going to rain? Is it not going to rain? How do you take care of these hogs? You know, what happens when the hogs get out of the fence? You know, you're, you're having to slaughter uh, and harvest the animals. And, you know, there's a lot of hands-on dirty work involved. And, you know, there are a lot of surprises pop up and a lot of things that need quick attention like in combat. As John says, in combat, in closing the distance against the enemy, and you know, in farming, doing the same thing. In small farming, you're trying to compete against big agriculture, and particularly him, he's trying to grow and raise really good quality rare meat, and his prices are, are going to be a little higher, so he's got to find ways to compete. You know, there are quite a few similarities. You're listening to a conversation with Carlisle Kellum, the creator of a feature-length documentary about Comfort Farms, a sustainable agriculture farm in Baldwin County that has a second mission, helping combat veterans transition back into civilian society after leaving the military. Comfort Farms, a documentary, is now available on many streaming services. You can learn more about the film and find a service to stream it on at comfortfarmsmovie.com.
you talked about how you came to know John, and that's something that I was interested uh, to learn more about. Is uh, how did you come to make this documentary film? I'm also a photographer. A neighbor of mine sent me down there to take some editorial photos for an article she was writing for a magazine, and I did that. And I got to talking to John about it, and it was mentioned that maybe there could be a documentary in this. And at first, it, it, was, it really didn't interest me, and I'll tell you why. You know, there's so many documentaries about veterans' issues and PTSD and so forth and so on. I didn't really know what I could add to that, and it wasn't until I saw the uniqueness of his organization, his operation, and kind of the unique angles and the parallels and almost kind of some literary irony in what was going on down there that I decided, hey, you know, I'm going to go for this and I'm going to do it. And that's kind of how it came to be. Well, and of course, you talk about in the synopsis of the film uh, about how the farm name itself, uh, it was named after uh, John Jackson's friend, Kyle Comfort. It, it is mm-hmm. not a place of comfort at all, but a place meant to pull people out of their comfort zones. And you say that that's one of the paradoxes that um, you confront audiences with in the in the movie. Uh, why were those contradictions the most compelling aspect of the story uh, that draw, drew you in? Well, I don't know if those contradictions were necessarily the most compelling, but I would say some of the paradoxes, some of the uh, the ironies were very compelling. And that's because I'm a storyteller. And, you know, I've always kind of been more of a narrative storyteller. I'm a big fan of fiction, narrative fiction. As a matter of fact, the home of Flannery O'Connor is right down the street from there. And she's one of my favorite fiction writers. So I've always approached things from that kind of narrative storytelling point of view and so the paradoxes things like the name being comfort farms named after Kyle comfort and it, in truth not being a place of comfort was one of many ironies paradoxes that i found down there but that one in particular so Kyle comfort was a buddy of john's who died in combat um, he named the farm comfort farms and So you're going to go into Comfort Farms if you know nothing about it, thinking, hey, you know, this is the place where they comfort veterans and work them back to some sense of sanity. But it's the exact opposite of that. It's it's called Comfort Farms using the last name Comfort, but it's not a place of comfort at all. And no one there is coddled in the sense that John knows that most of these veterans don't want to be coddled. They don't want to be treated like they're broken and and just need to go on medication and hide away somewhere. And it's not to to marginalize that that and that that people don't suffer in that way, but a lot of veterans don't. They just need a chance to serve again. So he brings them in and he puts them into kind of a a situation that's, that's difficult a lot of the time, and they really benefit from that. Are there lessons that Comfort Farms can teach us as a society about um, how we uh, work with people in our communities who need healing? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, for one thing, you know, people are so quickly to go to medication. Like I said, again, I don't want to marginalize medication because many people benefit from medications. But I think it's kind of something that people move toward too quickly when a lot of times just kind of getting back to the earth, getting back to relationships, 
getting back to the satisfaction of hard work, of accomplishing things, can help improve a lot of depression and anxiety. Like I said, not always. I mean, there's a chemical imbalance there a lot of the times that needs to be treated appropriately, but a lot of times people are kind of diagnosed and given a one-size-fits-all treatment when really a change of lifestyle can benefit them more than anything else. And I think that that's one thing that we find at Comfort Farms is a lot of these veterans, you know, some of them are on medication, but some of them move entirely off of medications and so forth and live completely fulfilling lives. Just finding some kind of, not only a new sense of purpose, but it's also a community support, other things that they were lacking before. Well, and I also want to address that it's not just simply uh, veterans who come into the orbit of Comfort Farms. And uh, I wanted to ask you a question about the craft of creating a documentary like this. The mission of uh, Comfort Farms is a mission that we have been seeking within our society to help um, those who have served. And even in one of the other interviews I read that John Jackson, he talks about people want to help them do that. And they do get a lot of assistance. And so I ask you, was it a challenge to maintain an objective enough stance to be able to do a documentary like this? It was a challenge. And I'll tell you, you know, I liked what they were doing. When I decided to make the documentary, I liked what they were doing. There's no doubt of that. So there's going to be some of my opinion in there. You know, that's just the way it's going to be. But I tried to remain as objective as possible and show every side of it and just kind of stand back. And I did that mostly by not having a narrator. Everything is in their own words. I didn't really edit out anything that they said that I thought would make them look bad or anything like that. I simply interviewed all of the people that I had lined up and cut it together and kind of really tried to form a portrait of the farm. Um, and when I say that, I mean a portrait in the sense of not only what goes on there, but what's between the lines, uh, what's a through line and a theme, you know, that theme being one of sacrifice and also of truth that, you know, behind the scenes, of both combat and farming, especially, you know, animal farming, things go on that that we're not familiar with. Most people are not used to seeing the meat that they eat slaughtered. And most people don't want to see it, even though it's happening, you know, uh, every day. And of course, a lot of people don't want to see what happens in combat. It's happening all the time. Of course, the two are wildly different. And I don't compare animals and people in that sense. But there is kind of a through line that does draw parallels between the two things. In a story in The Bitter Southerner, it describes John by saying he vibrates with barely contained energy that's got to go somewhere. How did you as a filmmaker keep up with that kind of energy? Well, you know, you got to move fast and be light on the feet, you know, small crew kind of capturing stuff on the fly. A lot of pre-planning, setting up the interviews, then, you know, going out and, and getting all the kind of the, the B-roll and the farm stuff with a, with a very small crew and a very light camera and, and, and uh, being able to be really mobile helped. How long did the production take place? 
It took about two years, but it wasn't two years of filming. I went down there about nine times over about a year and a half because uh, I wanted to capture a couple of different events. Then a lot of it was editing. But I was there on location about nine or ten days. And how did the story that you're presenting in Comfort Farms uh, present itself to you over the course of going from agreeing to do the film uh, to, you know, coming up with a complete project? The story definitely evolved. I approached this in a particular way open to having the story evolve. When I first started out with the film, I had kind of a glimmer of where I wanted to take it, kind of like just a little nugget. And as things went on, I started to see other parallels and other points of interest and other themes outside of just the day-to-day of the farm itself that I wanted to expand on. So I would go back for particular events to try to capture more of that angle. As I said, I was trying to create a portrait of comfort farms. And by that, I mean not just the day in and day out of the farm, but kind of an overall portrait of what it is and how I saw it and related to it both practically and I would say from a more artistic or literary point of view. So yes, I wanted to capture a portrait of Comfort Farms from both a practical point of view, the day in, day out, as well as kind of a literary point of view and all the irony that goes on down there. And some people, you know, when they first go in and watch the movie, if they're not prepared for that and they think it's just going to be, okay, this is what happens at Comfort Farms, quickly find that that's not what it is about. It's not just about Comfort Farms. It's about something deeper than that. It's it's a character study and a study of human nature, a study of sacrifice, a study of love, a study of healing, and a study of truth and sacrifice of what has to happen and for, for other things to live whether it be, you know, in the case of animals or, you know, anything dying for the sake of sacrifice for something better. You're listening to a conversation with Carlisle Kellum, the creator of a feature-length documentary about Comfort Farms, a sustainable agricultural farm in Baldwin County that has a second mission, helping combat veterans transition back into civilian society after leaving the military. Comfort Farms, a documentary, is now available on many streaming services. You can learn more about the film and find a service to stream it on at comfortfarmsmovie.com. When we think about portraiture, you know, it's not always the accurate reflection of the materiality of someone's life. Right. Uh, sometimes it speaks mm-hmm. to a greater truth. How did you either peel away or build up the attributes of these people in this place that you wanted to present in the documentary film? Well, that's exactly right. A portrait sometimes, you know, as a photographer, sometimes I'll take portraits that are in some ways uh, surreal or, you know, a little different or I'll add in elements or I'll do things to help people capture the essence of what somebody is or something is 
that is not necessarily what they literally are. So with this film, I did do that to some degree in the sense that, you know, I wanted to capture the essence of Comfort Farms. And to do that, I juxtapose war and farming. I juxtapose some of the tragedies that happen in war with some of the sacrifices that go on with animals. And I'm not saying that for those people that eat meat and so forth, that it's a tragedy that an animal is dying. But in a sense, some people would like to say it's kind of a necessary... um, it's, it's a noble way, but... it's a noble existence that they are living to even though our society has kind of downplayed their role in um the larger arc of i guess human existence maybe right sure that's a good way to put it and you know um i i definitely wanted to capture the fact that you know so they have this thing called the boucherie where they come together and uh traditional cajun and boucherie is where people come together as a community and cook uh, hog. Might be other things too, I'm not sure. but And they come together and feed the community and come together and honor the animal that has to die in order to give them what, what they're eating and come together to honor each other and help each other out. So what John has done is he, take, he took the boucherie and added in another element, which is honoring his fallen brothers and sisters, all, all the fallen veterans um, outside or inside of combat, and he's added that to the boucherie. So they show great respect for the hog that they slaughter. There's a guy named Brian Kaiser who's in the film who does these rituals with sage before he slaughters the animal and says a butcher's prayer and and really goes into it in a, in a very kind of deep philosophical respectful way and so john found a way to combine that with um showing respect for the veterans i include that as kind of a major part of the portrait to explain what the essence of comfort farms is and when you think about what Comfort Farms is, what is the, the mirror that it reflects back uh, on our society and maybe perhaps some of the challenges we're dealing with now? It's a good question. I would say it reflects a lot of things back on society. Number one, that there are a lot of people suffering. There are a lot of people in need of some way to give back. A lot of people in need of camaraderie. There's a lot of people in need of some kind of mission goal, but it also, it, it reflects back, you know, that uh, there are a lot of hurting veterans out there. A lot of them need an alternative to what's being given them. It reflects that, you know, there's a truth behind, for instance, when you go to the store and buy some meat, there's a truth behind where that animal came from. And when soldiers go to combat, there's a truth about what happens when they're there. And, it kind of reflects back, I would just say, a multitude of different things. How can people see the film Comfort Farms, a documentary? So the film is going to be distributed on, first, all of the transactional platforms. That means you go in and you pay something to download it or to buy it, and then from there it'll move on down the line. But uh, it'll be on most all platforms eventually you know the best way to find out is to go to the comfort farms movie website and you can either google comfort farms movie or go to comfortfarmsmovie.com 
and you just sign up there, a little pop-up box will come down, and you'll be notified of how to see it. Mm-hmm. And do you have any plans for a, a Milledgeville presentation of the film? Yeah, so it was selected to the Milledgeville Film Festival. was definitely scheduled to show there in November. It sounds like it's going to be moved. I definitely plan on showing there. And there might be another one. I mean, I don't know. There's been talk. John's talked and other people have talked about, you know, doing a, a little bit of a theatrical release in Milledgeville. Well, but of course, the um, uh, comfortfarmsmovie.com would be the, the best way to, to keep abreast of uh, when that will happen at, at some point in a, in a safer future. Well, there's comfortfarmsmovie.com, and also if you go to the Comfort Farms Movie Facebook page mm-hmm. and you like that page, a lot of information comes through there too. So, yeah, those are the best ways to kind of keep abreast of, uh, uh, of future events and so forth and so on. Well, Carlisle Callum, I want to thank you for joining me today and talking about the film Comfort Farms, a documentary uh, for our radio audience on Milledgeville Matters. Absolutely, and I, I really appreciate your time. You've been listening to a conversation with Carlisle Kellum, the creator of a feature-length documentary about Comfort Farms, a sustainable agriculture farm in Baldwin County that has a second mission, helping combat veterans transition back into civilian society after leaving the military. Comfort Farms, a documentary, is now available on many streaming services. You can learn more about the film and find a service to stream it on at comfortfarmsmovie.com. On behalf of WRGC 88.3 FM, I have been your host, Daniel McDonald. I want to thank you for spending a portion of your evening with me here on Millageville Matters. I hope you enjoyed our time together, and I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you again next time.